morning, everybody. All right. So good to be with you, to share God's word with you. Uh, if you're new, my name is Brian. I'm one of the lead pastors here. And um, again, it's just a privilege to open God's word. We're in a, a series right now called Storytime, but I want to give that series some context for you. If you've been traveling with us for this school year, you know that we've been focusing on the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, this is what it's all about. Uh, Jesus is the one who's transformed us. Jesus is the one who's saved us, redeemed us. He's the one who walks with us by his spirit. Um, the Christian life is all about Jesus Christ. And so we've been focusing on the person of Jesus. We began the school year with a series called Jesus Is, discovering who he is, his very character. Then we moved to Jesus Says, learning the teachings of Jesus. Um, if Jesus is the Lord of our life, well, what is he calling us to? And then we moved to Jesus Lives. That was our Easter theme. And now we're in this whole section of the year where we're focusing on how Jesus reigns, his rule and his reign, how he wants us uh, to live, how, how is he the Lord of our life. And the thing that Jesus spoke about the most throughout his Gospels was the kingdom of God, how he was bringing in a new way of living, a new way of ruling and reigning, his kingdom. He is the king of this kingdom, and he was teaching his disciples and the crowds and all who would listen about how his kingdom is different than the kingdom of the world. And so in this series called Story Time, these are different stories or parables, as they're mentioned in the Bible, really just real-life stories to help his disciples, us included, understand the ways of his kingdom. Um, I want to know more about his kingdom than I know about the kingdom of this world. I want to be a person who can operate in his kingdom, in his ways, to bring about his things into our world, right? Yeah, that's what we want to do, is we, we want to bring his kingdom, not my kingdom, not the kingdom of this world, but his kingdom into this world. And so that's what he teaches us through these parables. And so we've been giving different principles of the kingdom as we go through these parables. And so we've been through several of them already. Uh, we've talked about how Jesus is doing, always doing a new thing. When we looked at how Jesus taught about not putting new wine in old wineskins, uh, we talked about how Jesus is stronger, that yes, there is a strong man, the evil one out there, but Jesus is stronger. We talked about how faithfulness leads to fruitfulness, and that was the parable of the different soil that the sower went out and sowed seed. And last week, we talked about a mustard seed faith. I love that, that, that parable because really what Jesus is saying is all you need is a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit of faith, and you can move mountains. Praise God that we don't have a God that's like, you need a whole lot. <laughs> and if you don't have everything exactly right, you can't bring the kingdom of God. No, he's saying, just a little bit. I can use just a little bit. How many of you experienced the Lord using just a little bit? All of you have, <laughs> right? Just, just a little bit, and God can move mountains. Now, the parables that I'm gonna share with you today, it's not about just a little bit. It's about everything, okay? So we're going from just a little bit to everything, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. Here's what I, I want to do is I'm going to share the two parables. They're very short, both of them. And then I want to share with you four insights into the kingdom of God from these two parables. They come out of Matthew's gospel, chapter 13, verses 44 to 46. So open your word there if you have it with you. That'd be great on a phone, an app, however you want to do that. 
I'm going to read them for you. These are two very quick parables that Jesus tells to his disciples. I'll give you some context in a little bit, but here they are. The first one is called the parable of the hidden treasure. This is Jesus speaking. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. The second parable, Jesus goes right into the second one. It's called the pearl of great price. Jesus says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and to the hearing of his word. I'm going to ask you something today. I want to ask you to open your hearts, your ears, your minds, that, that the Lord might do something and challenging, challenge you to something today. I truly believe that the Lord, through the power of his word, can change people, transform people, speak to people. And so my, my expectation for all of us today is that we are leaning in and tuning our ears to what God wants to say to us. Okay, so I'm just throwing that out there. That's the posture in which I'm coming today. I want to invite you into that posture today. Lord, what do you want to teach me? Not what are you just saying here, but what do you want to say here today? Okay, please take that, that journey with me because if you do, I can guarantee you God's going to do something in your life that's going to change and impact you and, and maybe be challenging but, but bless you. But you got to take it from here to hear. And sometimes it's as simple as saying, all right, Lord, I want you to sow some seeds into my life today. Sow this word into my life. Challenge me, uh, change me, transform me. And so I pray that you can come with that posture today. Four insights from these parables. Let me give you a little bit of context as I lead into the first insight. Uh, in chapter 13 of Matthew's gospel, you have Jesus sharing several different parables. We've done a few of them already in this teaching series. I'd encourage you to go back and, and listen to those and, and also read the, that Matthew 17, 13 to really get an understanding of these parables. And so Jesus starts with the, the parable of the sower. And then Jesus tells this parable of the, the, the weeds and the wheat. Uh, we haven't covered that one. I did about three years ago, if you want to go try to find it on, on YouTube somewhere. But, but he tells these two parables, and he's telling them with a great crowd around. Then in Matthew 13, it says that Jesus goes into the home. It's very likely that this was Simon Peter's home, where, where Jesus would often stay. And they go into the home, into a private place. It's in the context of this private place that the disciples come to Jesus and say, Hey, Jesus... Can you explain that parable of the wheat and the weeds? Could you, could you explain that? Here's the first insight into the kingdom that's very important for our spiritual growth. Some things you can't learn in the crowd. I'm really glad that we're all gathered here today in the crowd. But some things you can't learn in the crowd. I love how it was the disciples, they, when they saw Jesus go into this more private place, that they were humble enough to say to themselves, we don't know what this guy's talking about right now. What is he talking about? Wheat, weeds, they're growing up together. What's happening here? Hey, let's ask him. 
Let's ask him in private what he's talking about. And Jesus, he, he doesn't scoff at them. He doesn't get all upset about it. No, he gives an explanation to the teaching that he gave. Oh, I'm so glad. I think Jesus thought to himself, great, school's in session now. My disciples are asking me in private what I'm talking about. If you were to go to Matthew chapter 17, there's this other story there, and, and you can read it and study it later. But in this story, there's this father that comes with his son, and he brings his son to Jesus. He says to Jesus, listen, my son, he, he, there's something wrong with my son here. He's throwing himself into the fire. He's out of control. He's throwing himself into the water. Later on, we, we see that this boy was demon-possessed and, and just horribly just, just in, in, in captivity to the evil one. And, and the father even says this, I brought him to your disciples but they couldn't do anything about it. So now I'm bringing him to you, Jesus. Can you do something about this? Jesus gets a little bit frustrated. You can read the story. He gets a little bit frustrated. How long am I gonna have to teach you this about just stepping out in faith? And then he brings back the parable of the mustard seed and says, don't you know, even if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to here and it will move. He's trying to teach them something. Then, later in private, it says the disciples went to Jesus in private and said, hey, Jesus, why couldn't we cast out that demon? I love that they do that. Because here's the thing. Let's not give the disciples a hard time. I think they wanted to cast out that demon. I think they tried. I think they had a lot of passion for it. I think that they, they believed maybe even that they could, but that for some reason, there was no breakthrough for them. Have you ever experienced that? I've experienced that in my life, where I've prayed for something, prayed for something, felt like I did all the right things, and still there was no breakthrough. Now the question becomes, am I humble enough to go to the Lord in private and say, Jesus, you gotta help me out here. What's going on? Why? Friends, I want to tell you this, you know, um, one of the things that, that I'd love to, to leave with you is this question, are you spending time with Jesus one-on-one? -on -one? I want to say, I want to be so bold to say that if you are not spending one-on-one -on -one time, those, those moments of, of private time with Jesus, whatever that looks like for you, if, if you're not, well, it's costing your spiritual growth. It's costing your relationship with Jesus. There are some things you can't learn in the crowd. There are some things that you need to just go right to Jesus and say, Jesus, why is this happening in my life? Jesus, I have these doubts. Can you speak into them? Jesus, help me with all these different things that, that just I'm, I'm not understanding. I'm needing you. Jesus, I need help. I'm not seeing breakthrough. Why? Jesus, I'm having a hard time forgiving my accuser. Why? Jesus, I'm having a hard time embracing my call through the gifts that you've given me. Why? Help me in this. Give me strength. Jesus, I tried to share my faith the other day, and it went horribly wrong. Why? Why, Jesus? Jesus, I'm trying for breakthrough. It's just not coming. I'm struggling with the loss. Jesus, I need you in private. Meet me and speak with me. Friends, you need to spend private time with Jesus. If you really want to discover the things of the kingdom, you need to spend time with the king. Some things you can't learn in the crowd. Now keep coming back, okay, to church in the crowd. It's good to be together. I'm not saying that, but it can't only be this. 
It can't only be this. If you want a real walk with Jesus, this can't be it. This encourages it. And the it is a personal relationship with Jesus. Second um, thing that really stood out to me, and this is what I wanna say as I lead into this second insight to the kingdom, is that there are differences to these two parables. A lot of times people will just lump them together because the main point is the main point in both of them, but there are some differences in the parables that give us some insights as well. And, and here's the, the insight into the kingdom that I, that I wanna draw out of the differences in, this parable, in these two parables is this. A journey to Jesus is custom made. <laughs> now listen, this, these two stories, let me break them down a little bit. The first one of the hidden treasure, it tells that there was this man who was in a field who discovered a hidden treasure. And so what did he do? He hid it again. He sold everything that he owned so that he could purchase the fields. So let's go back to the beginning of that parable. There's a man in a field. Now what Jesus, as he's telling this, most people would have seen this man as a person, maybe who was a hired person in the field, didn't own the land yet, so he was probably just working the land. Uh, maybe farming, maybe he was plowing, maybe he was planting, maybe he was harvesting. We're not quite sure, but it's not his land, so he's in that land, working the land, and, and all of a sudden, he comes across this hidden treasure. It's interesting to look at this parable and you see how this man discovered the treasure. And the treasure is the kingdom of God, what the Lord has to offer through his son, Jesus Christ, his presence, his ways, his grace, his mercy. This is the treasure that this man finds. But I want you to notice how he found it. It was hidden and he just discovered it. When I look at this parable, I think of Saul who's just on a road. On a road, he, he's, he's not seeking Jesus. No, he's seeking Jesus' followers to persecute them. His heart isn't open to Jesus at all. And he is on this mission. And all of a sudden, Jesus encounters him. What was hidden is now found just, boom, right there. It's not because of his intentionality. It's not because he was deliberately seeking for Jesus. No, Jesus just radically showed up in his midst and opened his eyes, actually shut his eyes for a little while, but then would open his eyes to the truth. Some of our journeys to Jesus, and maybe you can testify to this because I think this is a moment of gratitude here, is that sometimes you weren't seeking for Jesus. <laughs> Quite the opposite, you were going in a whole different direction, but all of a sudden, that treasure was right in your face. A person came and shared the gospel with you just out of nowhere. You came to your, to your end in your addiction and all of a sudden somebody pointed you in the direction of Jesus. And it wasn't because of your good seeking or your intentional pursuit of Jesus. It was just because the pure grace of God encountered you. Are there any people in here like that where you just got smacked in the face? <laughs> You're just going about your life and all of a sudden you discovered a treasure. We praise God for that. We praise God for that. Now let's look at the second parable, the parable of the merchant who discovers the pearl of great price. In this parable, it says that there was a merchant who was on the lookout for a pearl of great price. And then when he found it, he sold everything he owned to purchase it. 
The journey's different here. It's more of a Nicodemus journey. <laughs> Seeking out, who, let's have a conversation with this Jesus. Find out more who this Jesus is. Uh, let me see what's, what's going on here. This is more deliberate and intentional seeking. I know there's this great pearl of great price out there, and I'm going to find it. I am on the lookout for it. And some of your testimonies are more like that. Maybe you grew up in the church and you just have been seeking the Lord and then all of a sudden in your seeking, the Lord encountered you. How many of you have a story like that? I have a story like that. I used to think that story was boring. I don't think it's boring anymore. <laughs> Where I sought the Lord for most of my life. Sought him and he's encountered me throughout my journey and because of that my faith has grown. I've discovered the kingdom of God. The journey with, to Jesus is custom made. There's not one identical story. There are people that we know in different parts of the world, also around in here too, who are coming to Jesus just through reading the word of God. We have stories with our, our partners in, in Iran who, who are telling story after story of people getting New Testament Bibles in their hands. They're reading it and learning about the truth and, and the person of Jesus Christ. And they're giving their life to Jesus right on the spot because they're just so hungry for what God has to teach them through the word of God. That happens. Some people have, have, have discovered Jesus because of a, a close friend who you've watched journey and, and you've seen the impact of Jesus on their life and you've wanted that. Some of us have been found the, the kingdom of God because the Lord, he smacked us on the head and said, listen, you've hit, you've hit your, your rock bottom. You need to turn your life to me. Every, every journey to Jesus is, is custom made. There's one way to the Father, but... Out of God's grace, he walks with each and every one of us in a unique way to his son. We praise God for that. We should have gratitude for our stories and our journeys to Jesus Christ. Third insight that I want to share with you is this. Because there are differences in this parable, but there's one thing that's exactly the same. Exactly the same. And the thing that's exactly the same is the response of the man in the field and the merchant with the pearl. And the response is, in both the passages, it says they sold everything they had to purchase it. They sold everything they had to purchase it. And the insight into the kingdom is this, is that you, you must release to receive. You have to release in order to receive. Both Nicodemus and Paul, even though they had different journeys to Jesus, in the end, they sold everything to follow Jesus. They sacrificed everything in order to follow Jesus. And in, in these parables, once they had found the treasure, once they had found the pearl of great price, they did something about it. They didn't just say, oh, I found a great treasure. Oh, I saw a wonderful pearl of great price. No, both the man and the merchant they did not hesitate about selling everything they had in order to purchase the treasure. It became their central pursuit. When they found it, they did everything to keep it. One found it by accident, <laughs> and the other through diligent seeking. But both, once it was found, they did not want to lose sight of it. They were both eager to give up what they had to gain the more valuable thing. 
this is what the parable is about today. If you want to receive all that God has for you, you need to first learn to release, to give him everything. You know, in, the, in this season, as many of you and probably most of you know, Becca and I and our family were making a, a journey to Michigan. The Lord's called us there. And in that journey, there's been a lot of, you know, giving up and saying, all right, Lord, we don't know exactly what we're stepping into, uh, but, but Lord, we, we trust you in it. And uh, I asked Becca if I could share this story, but there was, there was one moment uh, for Becca particularly, really for both of us, but how the Lord really spoke to Becca that changed our whole mindset on things. And um, it had to do with, with our house. We love our house in Southbury. Oh, we love it. I don't even want to think about it right now, but we love it. We love being there. We love the town. We have a little hobby farm. Uh, really, it was a dream come true in so many ways. And at one point in our journey, Becca, in her private time with Jesus, was saying, Lord, you're not going to make me give up my farm, are you? <laughs> and then at one point, the Lord said, ah, oh, we're not there yet. And then later, Becca came back and said, hey, Lord, you're not going to make me give up my farm, are you? And the Lord kind of said back to her, you know what? What if, what if it was different? What if I'm not asking you to give it up, but I'm asking you to give it back? How about that? And all of a sudden, it changed. That's, that's a kingdom viewpoint. You see, a worldly viewpoint is, I can't give that up. I can't give that up. I can't give that job up. I can't give that home up. I can't give those finances up. I can't give that stock up. I can't give my child up. I can't do this. I can't do this. No, no, that's a worldly view. A kingdom view is, I can give it back. I can offer it back to the Lord. Actually, now, all of a sudden, everything we have, our home, our little farm, it's an opportunity for us to say, we trust you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. It's a response of worship now. And this is what this parable is all about. Listen, there's something that the Lord wants to give you that's so valuable, more valuable than anything. Now the question becomes, are you willing to give back everything to the Lord in order to receive it? Are you willing to give everything back? You know, the greatest blessings from the Lord are waiting for us once we learn how to offer everything to him. Everything is best in God's hands. Everything. And this is a principle of the kingdom that, that we begin to learn. Our finances are best in his hands. He's got some great plans for your finances. Our time is best in his hands. He's got some great plans for your time, your service, your gifts, once they're released back into his hands. Everything is best in God's hands. I believe it was 2015. It was Super Bowl 49. I know some of you don't like talking about this. But some of us do, those of us who are Patriots fans. And I know I've just split the crowd, but that's okay. You can have your private time with Jesus later, right? <laughs> the ball was on the one-yard line. There are 33 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Russell Wilson was the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks, who the Patriots were playing. Uh, it was not the fourth down. I believe it was the third down or even second down. And so the play was called in. They're on the one-yard line. All they needed to do was score a touchdown, and they would win the Super Bowl. They were down by four points at that point. And so Russell Wilson decides, or somebody told him to do this, probably more like that, 
he decides to, to run a play where he was going to throw to one of his receivers. And he threw the ball to Ricardo Lockett. Let me tell you something quickly about Ricardo Lockett. That season, he had four receptions the entire year. Four. Now, there's this guy named Malcolm Butler. The Butler did it uh, on the Patriots. And he intercepted the ball when Russell Wilson tried to throw it to Lockett. Now, here's the other thing that you need to know about this play. Lockett lined up on Wilson's right. But on Wilson's left, there was a man named Marshawn Lynch. Let me tell you a little bit about Marshawn Lynch's season. He had 1,306 rushing yards that year. He was a beast. In fact, they said he would always put it into beast mode. Don't know what that means, but he would. So that averaged 4.66 yards per carry. They only needed one yard. On average, he would get 4.66 yards per carry. He had, even though he wasn't a receiver, he had 37 receptions that year. Here's my point. Sometimes we put the ball in the wrong hands. <laughs> Sometimes we put the ball in the wrong hands. This is my life. These are my kids. These are my finances. I earned this. These are my talents. This is my dream. This is my business. This is my marriage. Really? But really, who, whose are those things? Or, or maybe better stated, all of those things I just mentioned, who, whose hands are they better off in? Mine or his? The quicker that we can come to the realization and commit, Lord, all these things are better off in your hands, that's when we'll begin to see the kingdom of God in our midst more frequently. That's when. And they're better off in your hands. Last thing I want to share, the fourth kingdom insight is this. And it probably goes without saying, but Jesus is more valuable in this parable, you see that the merchant and the man, they had many things, but none of those things and even the accumulation of all their things didn't measure up to that treasure, to that pearl of great price. Quickly, this is why they didn't hesitate at all. Quickly, they, they knew, they realized what they could have if they just released the things that they were holding on to. Jesus is more valuable. As I was thinking about this, I was drawn to the story of the rich young ruler who came up to Jesus and asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, here are the different things you, you need to, to do. And he, he mentions several of the, great, the, the commandments, the Ten Commandments. Rich young ruler looked at those ones that Jesus mentioned. He says, wow, I've done all those things. Fantastic. But then Jesus says, but there's one more thing you need to do. You need to sell all your possessions and give to the poor. And the man couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Because those possessions held his heart. Those possessions were the things he, he couldn't release to the Lord. And so Jesus, he picked the, that thing which he knew that rich ruler couldn't let go of. He wanted to see, will you let go of everything to follow me? And the passage says that the rich young ruler walked away sad. 
As I thought about this, I was wondering, could this be why so many people are walking through life sad today? Could this be why so many people are are walking through life without hope? Could this be why so many people are, are walking through life not knowing who they are? Could this be why so many people are walking through life without purpose? Because they believe that what they hold in their hands is more valuable than what Jesus has to offer. Because they haven't picked up on this principle that actually to release everything to the Lord is the greatest life, the most fulfilling life, the life that leads to the greatest adventures, the most impactful life is the life that says, you know what? These things aren't mine. I'm gonna release my grip, my control, and I'm gonna allow the Spirit of God to move freely in my life. The greatest life is found when we listen to Jesus. The greatest life is found when we live like Jesus. The greatest life is found when we act in faith just a little bit, even if it's just just a little bit. The greatest life is found when we invest in the things of the kingdom of God. The treasure was great. The pearl was great. It was more valuable than anything. I wanna tell you, friends, the treasure that Jesus is offering us is great. It's the presence of God in your life. It's the promises of God in your life. It's the power of God in your life through his son, Jesus Christ. What is your relationship with Jesus worth? What is its value? Because once we see it as the most valuable thing, we'll begin to freely release. Here's how I'd like for us to respond today. First, there are probably some who are out there who need to commit to spending one-on-one time with Jesus. Maybe even right now you're facing an issue, a trouble, a problem, and you're not going to discover the wisdom, uh, the compassion, the care of Jesus until you come to him one-on-one. And I want to encourage you and challenge you in this season, in this circumstance, whatever it might be, to spend one-on-one time with Jesus. In private, ask your question to Jesus. Bring your hurt. Bring the offense. Bring that doubt, whatever it might be. Bring your need to Jesus. Secondly, I hope that this is a morning where we just are able to express great gratitude to Jesus. Lord, I'm so thankful that you You left the 99 to find me. And you did it in a tailor-made way, a custom-made way, because you know me uniquely. I hope that you can leave today praising the Lord for your journey to Jesus. Third, I pray that we would release things today. All of us, let's be honest, all of us have our grip on something. All of us. And I want to challenge you to go to the Lord and say, Lord, what what am I holding on to to too tightly? What what do I have my grip on right now that I I I just need to release back to you? He might still want you to be responsible for it, but I want I want to release it to you. I want you to be the king of this. What's standing in your way from receiving the presence of God in your life? What right now would be really difficult for you to give back? You know, there's nothing better than Jesus. Nothing better than him. Let me tell you one last story, a fun, a fun one to, to close with. And as I'm telling it, the worship team can come back up. 
I, I remember when I was in Minnesota, Beck and I went to a Minnesota Twins game. And um, we went because they were playing the Red Sox. <laughs> so we went, we were watching it. And this was back in the day when, when Big Poppy was on the Red Sox, David Ortiz. It was a ton of fun. I'm telling a lot of sports analogies today, I'm realizing, but there you go. And, and so we went, and it was at the Metrodome, probably the worst stadium ever to go watch a baseball game. It was the one with like the baggie on top of the roof. That was what the Metrodome was. And we were there, and, and it was kind of exciting because they always held... Um, like once a month, they would do dollar dome dog night. And so dome dogs were hot dogs, right? And, uh, and so we, we, we went and we were having hot dogs and watching the game. And, and all of a sudden, David Ortiz got up to the plate, right? And we're kind of sitting far back behind the plate. And all of a sudden, we see this pop ball. He, he hits this ball, pop ball. David Ortiz, pop ball, man. This would be great to catch, just to relieve the tension in the room. I didn't catch it. Didn't come anywhere near me. But I'm watching, I'm seeing this ball go up and it's coming. And then I notice that there's this guy coming down the aisle, okay? And he's got like this whole plate of food. He's got like four dome dogs, like beers in there, right? And he's coming down. This guy's happy, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I, I see, this is, it's like slow-mo happening. And then I see, he's, he knows there's a pop fly coming right his way from David Ortiz, right? But he's got his, his hands clenched to these dome dogs, right? Now keep in mind, that it's dollar dome dog. These aren't like a thousand dollar dogs, right? He's two dollars of, 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 of food in his hands, right? Yeah, and and, and I'm, I'm just, we're all looking at him going like, drop the dome dogs and catch the ball, right? It's like, you wanna yell at this guy? And, and he didn't, and the ball flies right past him and somebody else gets it and he's like, ah, right? Now how am I gonna make this spiritual? Very easily, like very easily. Is this not our posture so often? Uh, 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 oh, you, know, you got $2 worth of thing that's gonna fade away anyway and you're, and you're holding on to it so tightly that you're missing the things of the kingdom. Just passing right by your head. The, the way to receive is to be open-handed. Now I'm ready. I got my eyes open. I got my hands out. It's all yours anyway, Lord. Even the farm. It's all yours. Like, it's all yours. This is the life of a person who's submitted and surrendered to the king. Open-handed, eyes open, ready to give back what the Lord has so generously given to us, to invest in the kingdom. I pray that each of us would take this very seriously and say, Lord, do I have my grips on something that's temporary? Do I have my grips on something that, that's really not gonna last? It's really not as important or nearly as valuable as the things that you want me to invest in your kingdom.